Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Thoughts. I'm Rick Johns. And I'm Will Johns. It's great to be with you for the second part of a short two-part series on how to love people who are wrong. Oof. So, Rick, you know, I feel like I've been working on this issue my entire life because of my relationship with you. Yeah. Ka-ching. Okay. Hey, give, give me that. Give me that little drum roll uh, uh, thing for you that. You want the rim shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come uh, on, man. Get see. get those sound effects going. I think we have it somewhere in this new awesome equipment we, we've got. Okay, tell the joke again. I think I'm do. ready. All right, all right. Here we go. So, Rick, I feel like I've been working on this issue my entire life um, because of having to live with you. Oh, I didn't hear a rim shot. Oh, well. I hit a button, and it was supposed to do it, but it didn't work. All right. Let's so, try it one more time. This time, give me the laugh track at least. You know? Well, hold on. So. Wait a minute. So we can... Here we go. We just fade the music out. Now do your joke one more time. All right. All right. Oh. oh, how do you stop the music? Yeah. There we go. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> So, so, so Rick, you know, I feel like I've been working on this topic my entire life because of having to live with you. Oh, yes, yeah, the rim shot. Yeah, right. Good job. I, I, I wanted to tell that joke just so we could use that sound effect. So, thank you. <laughs> I can't get that to stop. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. We are enjoying our, our new toys here. <laughs> yes. So we're talking about how to love somebody when they're wrong. And last time I think we covered the challenges of that. And this time, Will, we're going to look at some of the solutions. Yeah, we, we kind of ended with this image and, and it's helpful to kind of try to visualize this. If you if you kind of visualize like two people and, and then one line connecting them is content and then there's a, a line underneath that, a bar underneath that, that that says relationship. And if we think of that image, every interaction we have with someone else, uh, typically we're focused on content. We're focused on what we're talking about, uh, what we're working on together, but we're better off in every relationship if we also focus on the relationship itself. Yeah. And that's the key when we disagree on content. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. And I like that illustration because I think content is kind of that invisible bar that we maybe don't think about. It just unconsciously or subconsciously once we see that we disagree with someone on content, then we just throw out the relationship. Yeah, yeah. The relationship's the invisible one that we often uh, will not pay attention to. And and then if we disagree on content, it actually affects the way we view the other person in the relationship. Uh, we can often view the other person as bad or wrong mm -hmm. or an enemy or they don't get it, or they, you know, they're, you know, against me in some way, they're trying to ruin my life. And all of that thinking just makes it worse. Yeah. And there is a better way. 
And that's what we want to talk about today. And I think just to put it in a four-letter word, love is the better way. Mm. Love. Yes. Yeah, and we have to we have to kind of ask, you know, what does that look like? What does love look like when there's a disagreement on content? Mm. And I and I think for me, love is the thing that gives us the ability to look past the content to the person. Mm. Love can disagree and still invest in the relationship. Yeah. Love can disagree and still care about the person behind the content. Yeah. Now, that's difficult, but when the focus switches, it's very doable. If I'm only focused on content, it's impossible. Yeah. But yeah. when the focus changes and I think about the relationship, mm -hmm. now I've got options that I didn't even know existed that I didn't have before. And I do think that's one of the things that marriage is supposed to teach us. I don't know that we always learn that lesson. But when you're in an intimate relationship, it won't take too much time before you realize, oh, shoot, this person disagrees with me on something very important to me. Or they have an opposite opinion or opinion that I think is wrong or stupid or <laughs> whatever. <sighs> and so hopefully... In marriage uh, or dating, if you're in a long-term relationship or even a long-term friendship uh, or family, I guess, is enough. <laughs> Anytime we have that long-term relationship, there's going to be times where the content, you're going to disagree. You're going to be at odds with them over certain issues and what to do and what's right and what's wrong and how much should we spend and what should we spend it on, etc. But if you grow, then you can learn to to invest in that relationship, as you said, Will, or care for that person, even though you disagree on certain issues. So Rick, I think that's the perfect example of where we learn how to do this behavior, where we learn how to love somebody, even though we may disagree with them. And that, that really prepares us for our interactions with anybody in this world, because we live in a world where we are going to disagree uh, about something with every person on this planet. I disagree with you, Will. I think <laughs> I think there will be people we will agree with, and you're really taking a very narrow-minded, <laughs> illogical approach to this whole subject. <laughs> totally disagree. But no, I think, and the thing about marriage, as I was just thinking, is you can take it a step further because hopefully love then transcends the content, love transcends the minor disagreements and arguments, and love allows you, and here's a novel thought, to actually listen to the person that you disagree with, and maybe, just maybe, shocking thought, you learn something. Mm. Maybe you broaden your perspective on something. Maybe you, maybe you see a side of an issue that you never saw before. And I think that's where love is so powerful. Love allows you to receive feedback. And if you don't receive feedback, you become a law unto yourself. And we, we all hate being around someone who's always right. Mm -hmm. And just you can't talk to them. You can't get through to them. Those are some of the most challenging people to be around. So for any, and we all can be that person, especially on certain issues that are important to us. 
But I think love is what pushes you, what motivates you, inspires you to say, well, well, I love this person, so maybe I should hear them out. Maybe they actually make a point. Maybe, maybe I haven't considered all things on this issue. Yeah, and I think that's a very uh, healthy mindset to have is to go into any uh, discussion on content where you know there'll be disagreement with an open mind saying, if nothing else, I want to learn what the perspective is of the person I disagree with. You know, mm. I want to hear them out without without thinking about how I'm sh- going to shoot them down the minute they're done talking. That's not <laughs> listening. Um, and and this is where this 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 frame of mind is so helpful. Love starts with curiosity over judgment. Mm. So love is curious. You know, what do they really think and why? I'm going to ask clarifying questions, not judgmental questions. There's a big difference between those yes, two. Huge difference. Um, my attitude is going to be one of openness. And for me, like if I'm having an important conversation with someone that I care about that is an area where I know there's disagreement, I go in with a mindset that I am going to seek first, this is Stephen Covey, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Yeah. So I go in with curiosity, with clarifying questions, and then I finish with this statement, have I understood you fully? Yeah. And and mm. and if mm. they're like no no there's this other piece that that I don't think you quite got yet okay help me help me understand that piece now yeah and I'm just there to get it for starters I love that word curiosity that word has helped me so much in all my relationships in any situation whether at work or at home or just on the street wherever I am because. My natural reaction, as for most people, I think, is when you see or run into someone and you hear them saying things that you completely disagree with or even find offensive or just a little uh, angering or maybe they're kind of coming at you, you know, putting you on the defensive. If you can shift from judgment and anger to curiosity, it will save it will save you so much pain, headaches, <laughs> anxiety, yes. stress. Just be curious. You don't have to answer them. You don't have to combat them. You don't have to correct them. How about you just ask them some more clarifying questions? How about you say, oh, well, that's that's an interesting perspective. And and why do you think that? And why? And and tell me more about where you grew up. And <laughs> you know, you actually can find some common ground with curiosity. But if you lead with judgment, it's over. The conversation's over. The relationship's over. It it goes downhill very fast. Absolutely, absolutely, Rick. I think that's a that's a great point. The curiosity that that stance of curiosity is so helpful when it comes to these types of conversations, and I think it keeps us uh, from personalizing uh, the the content of the other person's position. Uh, often we can get our own ego bruised and our own feelings hurt if we if if we take it personally yeah. when someone disagrees with an idea that we have. Mm. And I think of like you know a group of people trying to brainstorm a solution to a problem, and and maybe I go first and I suggest an idea. Am I all excited about it? And somebody says, "No, I don't think that will work." And here's why: if I take that personally, yeah. 
I'm not going to hear anything they say after here's why, yeah. where they're explaining themselves because I'm going to be like, oh, they didn't like my idea. And, yeah. you know, that hurts my feelings. And, and, and they're wrong. My idea was great. Yeah. And how dare it was they? My idea. <laughs> and who do they think they are? And I mean, it can go a lot of directions. But, but you take that out of the equation. And guess what? You're going to get a lot of great ideas. And each person is going to help refine the other people's ideas. And if you take the ego out of it, yeah. then some amazing things can happen. And how many times, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up, how many times is the argument much more about our ego than the content? Yes. It really is. Yes. And, and I'll give you an example. If you said something uh, in a conversation about the world being round and someone piped up and said, no, it's actually flat, you probably would not be offended or start arguing belligerently with them that, no, it's round, I tell you, I guarantee it. You'd probably laugh <laughs> and move on because your ego is not attached to the idea of the world being round. It's just a given, and anybody who doesn't think it is is probably absurd, and it's too absurd to argue over. But if you're arguing about a political issue that you have a very impassioned stance on and someone disagrees, watch out. The sparks will fly. Well, so there's an ego component to that. And, and it's interesting in your example there, Rick, that you know when we're stating something that's an accepted fact, uh, you know, it's hard to say what that is these days, but yeah. you know, <laughs> hopefully the earth being round is an accepted fact. Who we'll, knows? We'll see. Um, you know, then your ego's not involved because it just is. Yeah. It just is what it is. Um, but when there's an opinion at, at stake, typically like in the realm of politics is yeah. where our strong strongly felt opinions come out and that's fine to have passion about what the world should look like and, and politically what our options are and how to make that happen. But, but when it is in that realm, that's where we get our ego all wrapped up in our opinion. Yeah. We, we intertwine them in such a way that we can't separate ourselves from the content. Yeah. yeah. So then we view the rejection of the content as a rejection of ourselves personally. Yeah. And I was surprised to, to hear you reference the political over the religious, because probably nothing's more, maybe political, but nothing's more meaningful and personal to us than our own religious views and our views on spirituality, et cetera. And those, as, as you and I both know, being in the church, are things that get argued very passionately as if you're attacking the person mm. when you're trying to argue for maybe a little different interpretation of something or open-mindedness on a certain religious issue. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, Rick, because that leads us right to where we're headed um, with our fall season this year. Uh, we're going to be exploring the book, the ideas of the book, The Critical Journey. Yeah. And this is a powerful book about mm -hmm. the spiritual journey and the, and the stages that we all go through. This yeah. is, it's a well-researched book about stages of spirituality that we all uh, proceed through. I guarantee as we go through those, you're going to recognize yourself in one of those stages. You're going to recognize some stages that you've already been through. 
Yeah. And and what that book teaches us is that depending on what stage we're in, we're going to have a different perspective. Yeah. And and so that explains why we we have some of these passionate disagreements about spirituality or right. about religion. Right. right. And part of a spiritual growth and maturity is to get to that place where you say, "Oh, wait, we can be at different stages in the spiritual journey, and it's okay. So at different stages, you're going to be passionate about different parts of that spiritual journey, different priorities in that spiritual journey, and learning to accept that's exactly where that person should be for now. Absolutely. And, you know, Rick, one, one thing that I think would be kind of a funny thing if we could, if we could actually do it would be if we brought back our uh, college-age selves and, and interviewed them on this podcast. <laughs> and, and maybe oh. we'll have to do our best interpretation and try that sometime. But, uh, oh, you know, if we did that, we would strongly disagree with ourselves. Yeah. And that's an interesting yeah. uh, thing. So, you know, people are always in a, in a state of dynamic growth. And so when there's... When there's um, uh, a movement of where they're growing in their own ideas and in their own perceptions, um, we can't just label them as being stuck in this one position for all time. Yeah, you know it's not fair, and it and it and it denies the fact that we ourselves have grown to such a point that if we if we were connecting with ourselves from twenty years ago, we would disagree. Yeah, that's a great point, and then. That's where this love thing comes into play because love is about compassion. Love is about acceptance. It's about recognizing that the person is more important than their opinion. And so you can have that compassion and acceptance for yourself, which is important because, <laughs> yeah, we've all been uh, through some times. And I don't know about you, but when, when you brought up the college thing, I kind of uh, was uh, cringing because I thought, oh yeah, there were some things in college that I look back now and kind of cringe and think, I can't believe I did that, thought that, acted that way, whatever it may be. Uh, but you know what? It's okay, because that's where I was at at that time. Yeah, and we're going to find out as we as we dive into the book, The Critical Journey, uh, in our upcoming season, we're going to find out that that's normal. Yeah. That, that we have to go through certain stages to get to the next one, and so instead of judging ourselves harshly for having been in that stage of life, we can have compassion. Yeah, We can say, you know, that makes sense. That was a stage I needed to go through. But what if we gave that same compassion to somebody else? Hey, it's okay. They're in that stage of life. They're in that position. They're, they have that mindset. They may change their mind later. They may not. It doesn't matter. I'm giving them compassion to be right where they're at. Mm. And here, here's something that I know you've experienced, Rick, and, and we as pastors have seen this play out with so many of our church members. Um, I have people tell me all the time, they say, you know, when I read the Bible, um, I could read the same passage that I read just a couple of years ago and now it says something so different to me mm -hmm. because of the stage that I'm in. Yeah. Because of, of my place in life. Yeah. And and that's part of the power and, and one of the things that that I love about, you know, the ancient scriptures is that they can 
speak to us in different ways at different stages of life. Absolutely. And and to me, that kind of fits this whole discussion that we're having today about disagreement and content. What if we were more curious if we disagreed with somebody about their spiritual belief? What would if we were more curious about why that meant that to them at this point in their life? Mm. You know, why does that scripture say that to you? You know, yeah. what's meaningful for you? And we're curious about their journey and and not not trying to say, no, that's the wrong interpretation. You know, yeah. <laughs> you got it yeah. wrong. You can't you can't read it that way. Yeah. And that leads me to a question. Uh, so, Will, why are you so passionate right now about dealing with people who are wrong? <laughs> I'm just curious. Maybe you could explain. Oh man, I think it's. I think I'm passionate about it, um, both for you know personal reasons, where you know I recognize that there's people in my life that that I disagree with that I need to do better. But I'm also passionate about it because I see a world in which we largely are lacking this skill set. Mm. You know, uh, what I see on social media, what I see in political discourse is it's it seems like our culture has not equipped us to have conversations with people we disagree with. Yeah. And, and so we end up just kind of typing in all caps and um, <laughs> shouting past each other yeah. with no actual understanding or wisdom uh, to approach the situation in a more constructive way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see it too. And I think even in the church context where I get to intersect with a lot of people's lives and families, it's really sad to me how many people share that, oh, I'm, I'm not speaking to my sibling. Oh, I'm not speaking to one of my parents. Oh, I'm not speaking to so-and-so. Well, because they have these crazy beliefs, you know, I can't, we can't talk anymore. I can't talk to them anymore. And they avoid, they avoid family members because they cannot uh, deal with the content. They cannot deal with the disagreement and the relationship is destroyed, essentially. Yeah, and that and that's to me that's very sad, and I think that's part of what fuels my my passion on this topic. And and the other thing I think, Rick, for me is is my own personal journey where other people disagreeing with me used to just, you know, put me off balance in in a second. Mm. You know, like I I I could not handle that. Yeah. And over time, I realized that that's this was my own issue. Mm. And as I became more and more secure in my own beliefs, I realized I had nothing to fear for someone else to think differently. Yeah. And it's kind of like your example about the earth being round and, and not really getting bent out of shape about that. Yeah. Like once my own beliefs were just so secure that hearing someone else think the opposite just didn't bother me at all. Yeah. That's when I was able to kind of let go of my fixation on the content yeah, and became much more uh, able to look at the relationship and prioritize that. Yeah, and I think we see that modeled in Jesus. Uh, he related to all people uh, all across the spectrum, and it was a wide spectrum, and there was a lot of prejudice and hatred, if you will, at his time period in history. 
and yet you see him befriending, you know, the the foreigner, the the woman, the the poor, the drunkard, the tax collector, the most hated of all in their society, and and befriending religious leaders and other people that were on the other side of the aisle. Um, I really think he's kind of our model, and he, of course, always advocated for love, compassion, grace. And so I think that's a strength for us that are in the Christian community and know the teachings of Jesus, that we can look to him to kind of guide us to through some of these landmines. Exactly right. And as I'm as you're mentioning Jesus, I, I think of others who have uh, followed his teachings and practices and become, you know, beautiful lights in a in a divided and and um, world where there's conflict and and anger and hatred. Uh, individuals like Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. Nelson Mandela, mm-hmm. Gandhi, uh, just to name a few. Um, Mother Teresa, you know, that that practiced this love, and were able to love people past the differences. Yeah able to look past the content and build up uh, the relationship. Absolutely. And, you know, as we're bringing this uh, podcast to a close, uh, Will, it just, it, it gives me hope when I start to think, what would the world be like if we could all start to learn the skill, practice the skill, kind of fall in line with this concept of love and the teaching of Jesus here, um, knowing that we can love past our differences. We can love beyond our differences. We can love through our differences. We can love in our differences. That's actually possible. Relationship does not have to mean complete agreement, uniformity, doesn't have to mean uh, I have to do things exactly as my neighbor does in the same way. Yeah, and I just want to, you know, give my testimony here at the end. Like, this is this has been something personally that's been very difficult for me, and yet um, I have found a tremendous amount of freedom by just changing my focus. Mm. You know, and and it's you know, with with each day that goes by, I have more capacity to put this into practice. And so, if you start off and it's tough for you and and so forth, don't give up. You know. Just keep refocusing back, you know, take your eyes off that content, come back to the relationship, and you'll be amazed at the options that you have in working something through in a relationship that yeah. you just never had before. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, it's so freeing in that way. Yeah. And and I'll add my personal testimony. I totally agree. And I think the other thing I had to keep in mind is just because I'm doing this journey doesn't mean the person I'm dealing with is also doing this journey. That's right. And sometimes we kind of go into it thinking, well, I'll cut you some slack with your stupid ideas and your offensive positions, and I'll try to love you anyway. And then they're, they don't do that for us. They yeah. come down on us. They're yeah. judgmental of us. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, forget it. You know, I tried and they were terrible, so I'm out. And that can be, uh, I admit that's a very difficult uh, situation, but I just want to challenge our listeners, don't let that discourage you or get you away from trying. Yes, there's going to be people that aren't on this journey with you, but someone's got to model it. 
Someone's yes. got to live it. And maybe by you living it, by you staying in relationship with them, even though you find them offensive, and even though they come down on you for not agreeing with them, you just staying in that relationship can actually make a huge difference. Well, and, and here's what's so freeing too, Rick, is that when we own our part, uh, then it doesn't matter what the other person does. Mm. You know, we're so focused on, well, if they would just, if they would just, if they would just, 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 just. No, they don't have to do anything different. Yeah. But I can change the nature of the relationship by how I approach it. And, and when I don't have to have them agreeing with me, it gives me, you know, a hundred extra options that I didn't have before. Yes. And, and it's okay. I can do a hundred percent my part without them needing to meet me halfway or else I'm going to, you know, take my toys and go home. Oh, well, you know, I was nice, but you weren't. So we're done here. Well, I think that really uh, puts a nice conclusion on today's episode and thinking about how love can transcend the disagreements, the arguments, and the content, and how it can set us free to enjoy life in a new way and explore a million different options that we wouldn't have had in our past. That's a great summary, Rick. And I just want to say that uh, I hope our listeners will tune in this fall with our new series coming up on the critical journey talking about six important stages of our spiritual growth and our spiritual journey uh, it's going to be very eye-opening i know you're going to enjoy uh, going through that process with us coming this fall absolutely will can't wait to do that and until then you have been listening to best thoughts with Dr. Will Johns and Dr. Rick Johns. Thanks for listening. Please recommend this podcast if you've enjoyed it to a friend, and we look forward to being with you again soon.